This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on Friday afternoon before a long weekend. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. Would you take investment advice from artificial intelligence? We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, budget ceiling talks appear to be making progress. We welcome in Carl Ricadana, Chief U.S. Economist with BNP Paribas, based in New York. Carl, thank you for joining us today. Uh, two big things driving the news today. First off, the uh, impending debt ceiling deal, signs of confidence emerging from Washington. We'll talk about that in just a couple of minutes. But let's touch on the personal consumption expenditure report, the PCE uh, price index, which uh, shows that inflation is a, a tick higher than analysts had estimated. Yes, well, we're uh, waiting till the uh, last vote is counted in terms of uh, really breathing the sigh of relief on the debt ceiling. But uh, onto that uh, income and spending data, uh, it did show uh, a little bit more inflation uh, than forecasters were anticipating. But if you squint real close, uh, the, the component of inflation that the Fed, the Federal Reserve, is most worried about, uh, which we call core services, excluding rents. And there's a we could do a whole other segment of why I'm looking at that narrow cohort, but that's what the Fed's <laughs> focused on. Uh, and that component is showing some signs of moderation. If we look at a, you know, the change over the last three months or whatnot, it's starting to move in the direction the Fed wants to see. So a little bit of good news embedded in uh, what otherwise looked like a, a not so great report. And the other inflation news uh, was from the University of Michigan on inflation expectations over the near term and over the longer term, uh, also showing a little bit of improvement. So again, compared to last year at this time where gasoline prices were $5 uh, per gallon or even higher, uh, we are starting to see some uh, improvement on the margins uh, with the inflation data. You know, Carl, I've been looking at, uh, you know, just because inflation has been the story for the last uh, two years, I have looked at, and you have too, just the, the sheer number of producer price index, consumer price index, uh, the way uh, certain categories are broken out and the exclusions in there. And and my favorite one, this is a, a, a parody, somebody was joking around Easter time, uh, talking about the price of ham excluding canned <laughs> as as a uh, as a uh, a way of measuring uh, the price of, uh, of 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 Easter staples a couple of weeks ago, so I got a kick out of that. So now let's go to Washington. Everybody seems to agree, and this is it's it's kind of hard to get people, everyone, to agree in Washington. But the White House negotiators, the House Republican negotiators, the Senate negotiators, everyone seems to b- believe that the debt ceiling will be raised. It's only a matter of when. 
And uh, if you can get this thing done and passed and signed uh, before the deadline in early June. But there are a lot of signs of confidence uh, coming out of Washington, especially the idea that this will be a two-year debt ceiling hike. We don't have to worry about this until 2025. Well, I think it would be excellent if that happened. But uh, as we know, both the Senate and House have left town for Memorial Day weekend already. I guess they wanted to beat the traffic. Uh, So we have the the poor negotiators uh, still stuck in Washington uh, trying to hammer out the details. Uh, It's not totally clear that the ultimate compromise will be something palatable to both Democrats in the Senate and also uh, the very slim uh, Republican majority in the House. So they may announce there's a deal, but we have to be confident that it actually can make it through the vote, uh, which was a problem back in 2011 and 2013 when deals would be crafted but the constituency wasn't actually ready to uh, support it. Uh, So, again, positive tones here coming in, uh, but we know Republicans have said they need 72 hours to review the bill. Uh, The X date looks like it's coming up possibly next week. Our our own estimates are around June, between June 6th and June 8th. So we need a bill reviewed for 72 hours before that. So it is still getting very close to the wire here. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we can't uh, pop the champagne uh, just yet. Carl Ricadana, Chief U.S. Economist, BNP Paribas, based in New York. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up, a look at how AI could be your next investment advisor. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. J.P. Morgan Chase is developing a chat GPT-like software service that leans on artificial intelligence to select investments for customers. Here to discuss this possible investment development is Mark Holbert, investment columnist for The Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com based in Washington. Mark, thanks for joining us today. And and at first glance, the world of picking investments seems to be tailor-made for artificial intelligence because when you strip away all of the the future-oriented conversation, the science fiction, the apocalyptic predictions, AI is really just about processing data, data faster. And we have a lot more data available to us these days. And now we have a tool, potentially, uh, that can just kind of go through the numbers a lot faster than we can do already. Well, that's true, though I have to count myself here as a, a skeptic of it. Um, I'm sure there's a heck of a lot of potential in the technology, and with lots of technologies, I, I think the market probably uh, exaggerates it and gets too excited too quickly. We saw it in the Internet boom, and I think we're seeing it again now. But that isn't to say you're, you know, I don't disagree with you that, there, that, uh, that AI software is going to be able to process data a lot more quickly. The problem, though, is that you know, in this case of J.P. Morgan, they're not going to be the only firm that's using it. And in order to beat the market, you have to know something before the rest of the market does and act before the rest of the market does. And if a lot of people are all playing the same game, even if it is AI informed, they're not necessarily going to beat the market because everyone else is having the same, you know, has the same software or is able to develop the same software. So I don't know that it's going to allow us to do better than we can by just putting our money in a simple index fund. It's a really boring advice for me to say that. But, you know, for years and decades, in fact, that's been the standard advice. It's going to be very difficult to beat an index fund that you buy and hold for the long term. And I'm willing to bet that if we had a conversation 10 years from now, which I hope we do, uh, 
that uh, you know it'll be better than uh, what this uh, the chat GPT informed AI that JP Morgan and the other firms will come up with today well when it when it comes to like just the history of automation in both trading and investing uh, how long has this been going on I mean because even the the old days of, of traders shouting in the pits uh, of, a, of a stock exchange whether it's in Chicago New York or elsewhere uh, that seems to have uh, gone into the history books and that uh, the vast majority of trading that takes place these days are done it's done via algorithm you're absolutely right and i'm glad you bring that up i mean there's, there's this notion that somehow that ai is a difference in different in kind not just difference in degree than what we've seen before but it isn't we've had ai all along for decades i mean we've heard about high frequency trading these are uh, trading uh desks that are all run by computers as you say run by algorithm Basically, the game that they've played is it is trying to figure out to how to have the fastest Internet connection to the floor of the exchange so they can beat their competitors by a nanosecond and so forth. So that's that kind of game has been playing for some time. In fact, I, I don't know the percentage, but well over half. In fact, as uh, some estimates, 75, 80, 90 percent of all the volume on the exchanges now is run by uh, algorithm is run by these high frequency traders. And so the idea that somehow AI is going to be different than what we've had, well, it's just a different, perhaps more advanced algorithm. But nonetheless, it's still the same thing that we've been seeing for some time. And when it comes to being a financial advisor or running a fund or, 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 managing, a, or managing a fund, uh, what is the value of a golden gut uh, versus just uh, going, going by an algorithm? Well, you see, I mean, that, that's exactly right to even ask that question. So where we make a difference over our lifetime of building up uh, retirement wealth has less to do with whether we pick stocks that we hope to beat the market, though, in fact, the odds are against us. That's the less important issue. The more important issue is how much we put in the stock market to begin with. And I'm not sure that AI is, is, is particularly well suited to deciding that question, because the question about how much you or I should put into the stock market is based on a number of personal, very personal issues about where we are in our life and how many kids we have and whether we own our house and how much debt we have and how much risk are, you know, what, how much risk we're able to tolerate. And that's not a computer driven issue of how much risk we can tolerate. It has to do with uh, some very subjective emotional issues, and that will never go away. Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for The Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com, based in Washington. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, navigating the Internet with your brain. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The day is coming where you can control your phone or internet with your brain. Elon Musk says Neuralink's brain-machine interface could enter human studies soon. Joining us to discuss this game-changing technology is Matt Wren, founder of VRAR in Chicago. Matt, thank you for joining us today. Uh, right now, as the host of the Noon Business Hour, I have to uh, control, you know, operate a control board that's in front of me, a computer. I have to move my hands. I had to press buttons. I had to make sure the timing is exactly right. Are we talking about sometime in the future where I can run this entire show uh, through a chip in my brain? Well, so what we're talking about is what's commonly referred to as brain-computer interface. And, um, you know, despite the fact that Neuralink just got approved for trial with humans, um, this is not a new technology. It's been around. Um, the, the, the name for external or what's called non-invasive BCI is uh, EEG or electroencephalography. 
Um, and you can actually, there's use cases now. There's a project called the Open BCI Project where people can go and learn how to control a computer with their brain right now today, even without the Neuralink implant. And, and you've even experienced this. Uh, there is a non-invasive form of this technology. And, and what's it like? Yeah, so the one that I did um, was it was attached to an HTC Vive VR headset, and it was uh, it was basically like a big, almost like a hockey puck that was on top of the strap that you wore with the Vive headset, and it allowed me to use my brain to kind of control the movement of a red ball in a VR space. And I could just move it forwards, backwards, left, right, away from me, things like that, and, just by thinking about it. And what was that like, just to see that happen without using your arms or hands or, or just mentally making something happen? I mean, you know, it's it was a, it's a pretty simple use case. Again, I'm just moving a thing. I'm doing a very simple thing. But it, it, it took, you know, a few minutes for it to train where it basically said, OK, think about moving the ball away and then you do it. And it, and it worked. Um, and so it was it's. I won't say it's frightening. It's kind of cool. Again, you're, you're, you realize you're controlling things with your mind, um, but it actually worked. It was effective. It did work. Now, Elon Musk uh, has been talking about Neuralink for a long time. He does have FDA approval to, for, to study this in humans. Uh, the technology, at least uh, as far as he's concerned, uh, you can cure all sorts of conditions. Uh, you could imagine you're living life as a secret agent on Mars in the future. All sorts of stuff uh, that you can do with this Neuralink implant. But he's run into some problems. Uh, there, there is some concern that uh, that the, the 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 monkeys that he has been that the company has been using to test this technology have died. Uh, there are some uh, sanitation concerns if we uh, uh, do use this technology, this invasive technology in humans. So, is is it going to eventually become something invasive, or is it going to end with the with something you put outside of your body? Well, that's just it. The Neuralink specifically is invasive. It is something that is actually implanted into your brain. So there, there's a little kind of controller, and then I, my understanding is that there's these uh, electrode threads that actually go to different parts of the brain. And so, you know, obviously anything that's being inserted into the human body, there's concerns. There's a lot of concerns. And, you know, with the health, um, the health aspects, and ultimately I think with some of the monkey stuff that you're talking about, the concern was actually what happened after they, they did their studies and they pulled them back out of the monkey brains. But, you know, that, that brings up a point of, you know, we think about the tech nerd uses of this. Hey, can you control your control board? Can I play video games? We need to think about the therapeutic uses of this. People who've lost the ability to speak, people who can't use their hands and type on a keyboard. There's a lot of really valid use cases for this type of technology that are very powerful. And that's, I think, why a lot of research should be done and should, you know, make the capability available. Matt Wren, founder of VRAR in Chicago, thank you for joining us today. Still ahead, a preview of the sport of innovation, and then we'll look at the latest trends in summer cocktails. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This is Chicago's news traffic and weather station. News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Today is the kickoff of the busy summer travel season, expected to be a busy day on the roads and at the airports. And this is the unofficial kickoff of summer. City officials have a reminder to be safe on the water and around the grill. We'll take a look at the sport of innovation coming up in the noon business hour, and we'll get you up to speed on all the trendiest summer cocktails. WBBM business. The markets are higher. The Dow is up 286 points. The Nasdaq is up 265. The S&P 500 is up 50 points. We have 66 degrees right now in Chicago at 1231. Topping our news at the half hour. People are hitting the road or jumping on airplanes as they get away for Memorial Day is underway. It's expected to be one of the busiest since the pandemic. These ladies in Detroit have big plans for the weekend. Part of our bachelorette trip. We're going to spend a lot of time at the pool, uh, a lot of margaritas. Triple A. AAA says more than 42 million people are expected to travel 50 miles or more. That's a 7% increase from last year. Nearly 3.4 million people were fly to their destinations this holiday weekend. That's up 11% from last year. Mayor Johnson and other city leaders have outlined plans to keep the city safe this holiday weekend. He wants the full power of city government on display. You will see me all over the city of Chicago this weekend. And I'm going to enjoy myself in one of the most dynamic, if not the most dynamic city in the entire world. You'll see me at special events. Apparently, I'm even throwing out the first pitch on Saturday at the Cubs game. The mayor has promised to put more police officers on the streets over the historically violent Memorial Day weekend. He also says the city will activate its centralized emergency preparedness center to coordinate responses to violence and bad weather. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Stocks are trading higher today. Joining us with the latest in what's moving Wall Street is Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter based in Hammond in Indiana. Chuck, thank you for joining us today. And it seems like uh, the markets will end the week on a strong note. It, it does. It's uh, Obviously, the markets are taking their cue today from uh, an expectation that uh, a debt ceiling deal is going to be reached here fairly shortly. Um, you know, that can always be a little bit dicey uh, if you're depending on, on that to happen. But, it, it, you know, the market seems reasonably confident. And you also have kind of that 
uh, hangover from uh, a, a good hangover from the standpoint of NVIDIA's earnings yesterday and their guidance, particularly in, in how the whole generative AI scene is a real thing and offers really big growth potential for a number of companies. So you're seeing you know, that money flowing into tech stocks today as well. And what's interesting is that uh, despite all of the political reporting, which was uh, almost apocalyptic in nature and, and, and you know, the, the blow by blow, he says, he says, maybe they will have a deal, maybe they won't. Are they far apart? Are they close? The stock market always seemed fairly confident that a deal would be done in time. I mean, trading was, you know, the, the indices were a little lower this week, but there was no major sell off uh, indicating that there was a, a, a great deal of concern. That uh, that there would be a default, right? Well, the market has seen this story b- before many times before, and there have been some periods when you had some uh, a little bit further downside action, and uh, but but it ultimately the the market ramifications from the debt ceiling negotiations tend to be very very short term. So you know, I think the market was basically saying, listen, you know. Uh, even if something isn't reached, it will get done. There won't be a default. And any time the market has pulled back on that, it's come back quite strongly. And, and, you know, presumably that's what we're seeing this time around as well. And there's really not much to go off as far as the uh, PCE report was concerned. Uh, a little bit hot, uh, in- indicating that inflation is a little bit higher than expected, uh, but not enough to, uh, to to force a sell-off or fears that uh, that even steeper interest rate hikes are in the future. Yeah, it, you know, it, it it was a little bit of a kind of a that Goldilocks report that that people are really looking for, um, and especially you know this whole idea of a soft landing generated by the Fed, and you get these types of reports, and it kind of gives you some idea that perhaps that can be the case. You know, we'll still see. I you know I think the the those folks betting on in, uh, a cut in rates later this year, I'm not sure that's going to be the case. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if if the Fed does pause at this next uh, at this next meeting. And once again, the the belief that the Fed is going to cut interest rates later this year is predicated on the belief that maybe there will be a slowdown or just a full blown recession uh, before we get to 2024. Interesting uh, perspective I saw this morning, especially today, since uh, this is the kickoff to the summer travel season. That maybe the American tourist is what keeps the economy out of recession that this is kind of like the last hurrah of people uh, 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 spending their COVID savings, and that could be enough to keep the economy afloat? Well, we'll see. There's certainly, you know, there are certainly consumer spending is strong in those areas of, of the economy in terms of, of tra- travel and, and, and leisure, and it, it will be interesting to see if that is enough. You know, from if, if, if the listeners aren't there kind of wondering if, in fact, you know, we are going to go into a recession, the canary in the coal mine on that typically is the Dow Jones transportation average, and that average has hung in there pretty well and is still well above its its significant intermediate low of around 12,000. So, you know, as long as in, in our world, as long as the Dow transports can continue to hold up and at least stay in this trading range that they have been, you know, the chances for a very severe re- recession are are not likely. So we're watching that pretty closely to see how that behaves. And then what's the Dow theory telling us, uh, keying off your analysis of the uh, Dow Transports Index? Yeah, it, it is still the primary trend still has not given an all clear sign. So we are still under a, a bearish signal. Uh, again, you need to have important intermediate highs in both the Dow Jones Industrials and Dow Jones Transportation Average. We haven't gotten that yet. My sense is that 
you know, we've had pretty good rallies within this trading range. But my, I, I just think that, you know, we probably will stay in this trading range indefinitely. We'll, we'll cycle to the higher end of it and then pull back. And I think that's what we'll see here for at least the next several months. Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter in Hammond. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next in Entrepreneur Friday, a preview of the Sport of Innovation, an upcoming event at Wrigley Field's Gallagher Way, featuring a roster of esteemed speakers from the Chicago sports world. Compounding your interest with an economy of words, this is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Entrepreneur Friday on the Noon Business Hour, and with a preview of the Sport of Innovation, it's an event June 5th at Gallagher Way at Wrigley Field. And it brings together insights from all sorts of influential figures in Chicago sports. Welcome in Luke Tannen, Executive Director of Chicago Innovation. Luke, thank you for joining us today. And, and you got a bunch of people speaking at this. Uh, since, you, since you're actually uh, speak, hosting this event uh, at Gallagher Way at Wrigley Field, uh, it, would go to, it, it would follow that you have Tom Ricketts, the Executive Chairman of the Cubs, uh, on your roster. Uh, uh, on the on the dais at this event, Danny Wirtz, CEO of the Chicago Blackhawks, Michael Alter, the principal owner of the Chicago Sky, uh, Sarah Spain. We worked together in radio for about five minutes ten years ago. Uh, ESPN reporter and uh, Chicago Red Stars co-owner Kevin Cross of NBC Sports Chicago, and your moderator Luke is uh, my old boss, uh, Ron Gleason, the former director of news and programming for WBBM. You heard him during the Bears coverage for many years on this station, and a man of impeccable judgment, despite the fact that he hired me. <laughs> That's great, Rebel. Yes, Ron, is uh, he, he's the, the, the point guard of this all-star squad that we've got, all those speakers that you listed and mentioned. We're thrilled to have them all. And, you know, Chicago Innovation, this is uh, our second time returning to Gallagher Way at Wrigley Field on June 5th for for this event, the sport of innovation, and, and really the whole point is to spotlight innovative leaders in the world of Chicago sports, discussing innovation, um, talking about new trends that excite them, and, and offering glimpses into what the future of the sports industry may hold. So I think there's a lot of interesting things that, that we'll all learn that day. And, you know, besides these great speakers, we'll, we'll have hundreds of attendees, um, lots of lawn games set up during the cocktail reception Gallagher Way where people can win prizes by winning putting competitions, playing life-size Jenga, taking part in, in bags competitions, and, and, and a whole lot more. So it'll be educational and, and entertaining all at once. And you talk about innovation in Chicago sports, and, and there has been a great deal of it in the last three years, a lot of it forced by the pandemic. But some of the uh, ideas that, uh, that leagues have come up with or that teams in Chicago have come up with have been very interesting and almost transformative. And I would say one innovation that was... Uh, forced by the pandemic uh, just as a condition of coming back uh, is has been really good and convenient. And that is the the MLB all ballpark app that allows people to uh, order food at their seats where it's either delivered or you go pick it up. Yeah, and you know, that's a great example of, of where innovation primarily comes from. It comes from what your customers need and want. And that, that's a great example. And so, you know, with these speakers, we're going to really be dissecting this whole topic of innovation and talking about, you know, where do these leaders seek inspiration um, for innovation from? Does it come from, does it always come from fans? Maybe sometimes it comes from players or staff, or sometimes it comes from places totally outside of sports. And, and I think a unique challenge with innovation in sports is, you know, how do you balance evolving the sport through innovation without 
interfering with with, what people love about, you know, the purity of the game or beloved traditions or or the integrity of the sport. So it's it's an interesting thing, you know, innovation in sports that we'll be discussing. But besides that, you know, we're going to go deeper into certain topics that, that are changing. There's the media landscape and how do people consume sports these days? What are team owners and broadcasters doing to reach people in the way they want to be reached? And how are teams investing in the in-person experience versus watching games at home and and technology plays a big role there just as it does in the app you mentioned and there's so many new and evolving technologies that are impacting sports and everything from immersive virtual reality worlds that let you experience sports in new ways to you know there's sensors that improve training and fitness for players and athletes or or data tracking technologies that make sports advertising smarter than ever before you've got the market of NFTs, which a few years ago, you know, didn't exist. And now it's changing the whole fan experience or or social media, which, of course, has existed for years. But more than ever before, it it continues to amplify players popularity and and influence. So, you know, there's a lot in tech that that we're going to discuss. And we're also going to talk about gender equity in sports today. Um, You know, women's sports have been booming over the years, but women's sports only receive about four percent of all sports media coverage. So we'll discuss what are the real drivers of change when we consider a push towards towards equity here? And and we'll talk about the rise of sports betting as another topic. And and really, you know, we'll get to know these team owners and others on a really personal level. Ask them about the best advice they ever received, how they got into sports in the first place, and and, and hopefully more tips and lessons they've learned that apply not only to the sports industry but to everyone. Well, it should be a very interesting discussion. Luke Tannen, Executive Director of Chicago Innovation, the website chicagoinnovation.com. The event at Gallagher Way at Wrigley Field is June 5th, the sport of innovation. Still to come, the latest in summer cocktails for your warm weather socializing. It's 60 minutes of financial planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Well, it's 5 o'clock somewhere, and as summer kicks off, it's time to amp up your warm weather cocktail game. Here with a host of ideas is Carly Katz, owner of Bottles and Cans with locations in Chicago's North Center and Edgebrook neighborhoods. Carly, thank you for joining us today. And uh, we're looking at we're looking at temperatures, uh, sunny skies, upper 70s, low 80s. I'm guessing uh, perfect weather for a full bodied peppery cab and uh, potentially a big slab of prime rib to go with it while you're sitting outside. Right. Uh, perfect. Um, <laughs> their own, I suppose. Um, we always like to make sure that everyone knows that they're able to uh, drink and be happy no matter what. Uh, me personally, I would go with something a little lighter. Um, there tends to be with the heat coming out a little bit uh, less kind of heaviness to a lot of those things so that you can sit in the sun all day. But again, to each their own. And, and, and are, are there some summer cocktails that are just uh, just timeless classics? I mean, they're they're in every year. Uh, yes, um, this year more than I've seen in a while. Spritzes are really kind of making a comeback. Whether that's still people kind of trying to bring in a little lower alcohol conversation, just coming off of COVID, even though it's been a number of years, people are still kind of in that mindset, but. Spritzes can be just wonderful. It kind of gives you the ability to uh, drink for a consistent longer amount of time, I suppose. Um, And just like the traditional stuff of doing like an Aperol and Spritz, some people do that with just soda water. Other people want to kind of fancy it up a little and maybe uh, split some of that bitterness with Prosecco. Uh, It's really kind of what anyone wants to do, but it's also a really pretty drink. 
So it just it looks good in all those summertime photos as well. Now, I've been told that, uh, of course, you can break out your white pants uh, starting on Memorial Day and wear them all the way into Labor Day. But uh, I've also been told uh, that uh, rosé season starts this weekend. So uh, uh, you can do rosé all day and no one's going to ding you for it. Uh, that's 100% correct. Uh, rosé season is probably my favorite season, um, only because I, I do love a rosé. It's come so far from, like, the white Zinfandel boxed wine. Um, <laughs> hey, that got me always. through college, Carly, okay? Uh, again, no judgments, Rob. <laughs> um, but there's there's something really, like, wonderful about a rosé in the summertime. They're fresh. They tend to be a little bit more fruit-forward, depending on kind of where in the world uh, you are picking up or um, purchasing your wines from. But it's it's just kind of an all-encompassing. And, you know, in the in recent years, it's kind of turned over to be also a a less woman's drink and kind of an everybody drink, uh, which is nice to see because it's it's fun to see the, you know, the brosé conversation that keeps happening. But it's it's delightful. It's fruity. And, and honestly, I, I don't know if I find many people who don't love a rosé. Brosé. I, I have not <laughs> heard that uh, term before. We're, we're introducing people to new vocabulary words on the Noon Business Hour. Yeah, that's, you know, I, I like to educate. <laughs> well, Carly, thank you so much for joining us today. So if you want to order a rosé, a brosé, a prosecco, a bellini, or just have that big old full-bodied cab, uh, do so responsibly this weekend. Carly Katz, owner of Bottles and Cans, two locations in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. If you missed any part of today's Noon Business Hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.